0: Well, good morning. Uh, just last Sunday, I actually I was up here doing worship with the team. And I had a dream that I was speaking this Sunday. And the podium was like 20 feet away from me. And David was down in the orchestra pit. It was really terrible. And I finally got up to the podium. And my Bible was in Spanish. And I don't speak Spanish. And- <laughs> It was just a nightmare, and then I even came to church that day, and I kept thinking church started at nine, and I went home to get my kids like an hour early, and is like, why are you here? And So it just really started off this week of confusion. Um, so I'm actually going to stop. Thank you for praying, Christy, but I'm just going to pray for my mind right now just to have clarity as we dig into this scripture. Uh, God, uh, Lord, I come before you. Father, just, we need your spirit to speak God, that, that I am just human, we are just human, but, but Lord, as we dig into your scripture, as we just read it, Lord, that's the power of your word, the truth of your word, the living word, God, move in our hearts. Father, and I need you to speak through me, Lord. I need you to give me clarity of my mind, Lord, that, that this would just be edifying and to all of us, even me. And Father, we just need your power, your spirit, your love, to move in our lives, creating us a clean heart and a right spirit, Lord, creating us a clean, clear mind just to hear from you, God, and speak to us individually and corporately at this very moment. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's Palm Sunday. Um, we didn't bring any palms or anything like that. But I, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church, and I remember in, in Florida, we had lots of palm trees. So as a kid, I would get to walk forward to church on these special Sundays, and there'd be palms everywhere. And it's just that pleasant reminder of this holy week. But I think in my journey of of life that that was just a story to me, to me until I was 24. And so today as we read this scripture, I think my... My greatest hope, my greatest goal is just to paint a picture and we slow down in the scripture and see what great things God has for us. And it's just, it's almost like uh, you see the sunset or you see the sunset on the beach or whatever beautiful picture that you want to see, that you and I can go to that place. I know one of my favorite places, and I've only been here for nine months now, is Oregon, watching the sunset on the coast. And if you haven't seen that and you're from Oregon, you should do that this week. But I love just watching the sunset. And hearing the beach lap its waves and all these things. And, and whenever we're in those moments, you and I could take a picture. We could get out of our journal and write some poetry about how beautiful the colors are and everything that's going on. We could, we, could, we could write a book about these things. But you and I, when we see those things, when I see that sunset, like I can't really give you what's in my heart and as we read the scripture today, it's almost like these are the different colors, these are the, the canvases of, of what God's doing in this chapter, and, and the fact that he's praying for us. I've just been blown away by that, and so as you watch a sunset, or you watch something just beautiful in your life that, that you just can't get enough of, and you just kind of sit there, and it just becomes more and more alive. And so that's my prayer, and my, my overarching goal this morning, is just to, to paint this picture of what God's doing. Because Jesus, is this week of Holy Week, today's Palm Sunday, we're, we're in this sermon in, in John chapter 17, it's the end of the week, it's the hours before Jesus' earthly ministry ends. It's the hours before his death. And as I've, I've marinated in this and I've just sat in this, I, I begin to just be blown away, my mind's been blown, honestly, that Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, stopped and prayed for me. He prayed for you. He prayed for his disciples. He, Jesus wasn't about to, to die in some tragic death that he didn't see. He wasn't on the fishing boat and the boat tip, tip, me, tip size, whatever I'm trying to say there. The boat fell over and sank. <laughs> I, watched dino, sorry, I watched Dinosaur training this morning. I'm watching my kids. So I may say things like that. I just get really confused. So anyways, the boat tips over. Jesus didn't die. It wasn't some tragic accident. Jesus knew that he was about to be tortured. He's about to be beaten, whipped, stripped naked, hung on a cross for all the world to see. And he was doing something. He was redeeming us. He, he knew the plan and his sovereignty. But in that moment, he stops to pray for you and I. And I'm so grateful as I've just read this passage over and over this past week and actually this past few weeks, and I just thank God he prayed for me. And his scripture talks about it in James, it says, The prayer of the righteous have much power. Have great power. The old King James says, availeth much. It says that that there's power in the righteous prayer and and those that repent. And Jesus was righteousness. So how much more powerful could this prayer be the moments before his death? He prayed for us. And so as we kind of dig into this today, I I hope, I, I grew up in a church that we would often, when I first became a believer, it was an African-American church. We'd often turn to the neighbor and say, hey, look at your neighbor and say this. I'm not going to make you do that today. But if I was going to make you do that, hypothetically, I would say, hey, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor to your right. You'd say, hey, Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed for me. You look to the neighbor to your left. But I think we could kind of flippantly say that like, oh, yeah, I just want a million dollars. It's like Jesus, the God of the earth, the maker, the breather, the creator. Prayed for you just before his death. Just before that moment. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. And I think if I knew I was about to die, my prayer would probably not be for you. I'd probably be praying some sort of vengeance on my enemies. But Jesus stopped and prayed for you and for me. And just as Josh said last week, that many theologians and people have talked about this chapter of being just, we could spend a long time in it. And there's a lot of verses here today. And in this chapter, it kind of just points back to the entire gospel of John. And Jesus just begins reiterating these things of his glory, of his unity, of his love, of his eternal life, that he's overcome. And in that moment, he just stops And prays for us. So let's pick it up in verse 9. He says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours, and all of mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in this world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one as even I am one. So why is this important to us? So in this very moment, Jesus is praying for his disciples specifically. But he also kind of reiterates the disciples. In verse 20, we get down, he's praying for the disciples' disciples. So in a sense, he's praying for all of us. He's praying for his disciples specifically. And we kind of just see the sovereignty of the Lord in this moment. That he says that all of these were yours. Jesus, God picked out these 12 ordinary guys. 12 ordinary people just like you and me. And they were about to flip the world upside down. They Actually, in this moment, it just we get the, the, the glorious benefit of having the Spirit of God and knowing what's about to happen. But in this moment, as Jesus is praying for them, I mean, their world is about to change. Their best friend is about to die. And God is simply saying, thank you, Lord, for these, and I have kept them. And he's praying for his disciples. He says, Holy Spirit, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. So as you just kind of marinate in that thought that, that God, Jesus prayed, Lord, let them be one as we are one. Let these disciples be unified. I don't know about you and I, but I'm, I'm grateful for this prayer. I'm grateful for this prayer in my life that I don't wake up in the morning and I just, I don't have a pleasant day of just like, oh, I can't believe I get so along with my kids today. Like, every day I end the day and I'm like, oh, wow, we were so joyous. Everybody got along today. Or maybe you're a coworker and you're, you're like, oh, well, I hope we get some work done today because we get along so well. That, that we need that prayer in our life of unification. And that Jesus is even bold enough to offer this prayer to his disciples and to us that we would be one as Christ is one with the Father. It gets better. In verse 10, all of my, in verse 11, sorry. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost, except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may be full of my joy, that my joy may be fulfilled in themselves. So Christ is about to go away. He's guarded us, He's guarded the disciples. I don't know if you remember in the verses previous in, in Luke, it talks about Peter wanting to be sifted by Satan. And Jesus says, I've prayed for you, I've prayed for your faith that it will increase. And even in that moment, Peter doesn't know what's going on, but he's talking about when Peter will forsake him. But Jesus, even in that moment, prayed for Peter. He says, I'm praying for you. I often think, even this morning, that, that we in our pride of our little selves on this earth, we take such great pride in, in waking up in the day and making our plans to prosper and making our degrees and our money, but the reality is it's the Lord who protects us. The Lord protects us. David prayed in the Psalms over and over again about, Lord, keep me from my enemies. And my kids go off to school and I often pray something like that. Lord, protect them. Keep them safe. My wife and daughter have been away for 12 days and just every day, Lord, please protect them. Keep them safe. And they're praying for us. But the reality is that's every day for us. Whether my family's together, whether we're united and we're driving down the van, it is only by the grace of God that we are alive. And how often we take advantage of that in our pride. And Jesus prays here, Lord, protect them. Keep them. As soon as Jesus actually finishes this prayer, they're walking down into the garden and and here comes a band of soldiers ready to take them with swords and lanterns. But Jesus had just prayed for their protection. Without that prayer, I don't know what would happen. But there's no reason why the soldiers shouldn't have taken them in as well, or reason why the soldiers couldn't have killed them right then in that moment. But the band of soldiers comes, and Jesus, I always love this when the description of John, and they're like, "Who are you looking for?" And he's like, I'm, "I'm He, I'm Jesus, I'm the one you're looking for." And they all fall down. All the soldiers fall down. And they get back up, and it was like amnesia. They, it happens again. But in that moment, the disciples were protected. And Jesus still prayed for their protection, even though they were all going to abandon him. But his great love, he prayed for them. Verse 12, an amazing little nugget in there of being fulfilled in his joy. Verse 13, I'm sorry, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus prays that we would have his joy fulfilled in us. And he's talking about the joy of salvation, the thing that is about to happen on the cross, the joy of redemption. We've spent a lot of time in the last few weeks talking about joy and it's not just the happy party, birthday party all day long. The celebration graduation party is joy in the midst of suffering, it's the joy in trial, it's, it's the joy of knowing that Jesus has conquered and overcome the world. It is the joy that he has disarmed the principalities of this earth. He's destroyed death. And he's given us the victory, that is the joy. And that's just amazing that Jesus prayed that they would be fulfilled in themselves with this joy. Verse 14, and I have given them your word. And the word has hated them, the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth of your word. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. So, what is God doing here? What is Jesus praying? He's praying that they would be sent out into the world, that they're just not taken out of the world. I believe it's in Peter, he talks about that we've been transformed from this kingdom of darkness and we've been brought into this marvelous light. Like, this brings God glory. The transformation of you and I, just human, fallen sinners, being redeemed by a great God, filled up with him, protected by him, and then we have a participation in that. We aren't simply just the trophy on the shelf for the Lord, but he has called us to be the vessels of the good news of the gospel. We are the ones who continue to proclaim this message, and he has sent us out into the world. The world is actually mentioned 16 times in this chapter. 16 times. And I know in my own life how deceptive the world can be. That we're sent out into this world to share the gospel. And the world is, is, is very tantal, it's very attractive in many ways. It's luring. So much so that I often don't even think that I I know in the the epistles it talks about that in the end times that even the elect would be deceived. And I just, the, the more I live, the longer I have birthdays, the more deceptive I really see the world, that even the elect could be deceived. And Jesus is praying for us and we are walking out into this dangerous world. And in the West, the enemy looks a little different sometimes than he does in Haiti and these other parts of the country. He shows himself differently. And God has asked for our protection in that. We may not be tempted to fall into voodoo as our friends are heading to Haiti this week. But I've been to Haiti. I've seen the ugliness of voodoo. I've seen the ugliness it's done to to people. But I've also seen the beauty of salvation redeeming those he's called seen life transformation in Haiti. I've seen a church on fire that sings and prays all night long and puts my heart to shame. Even in those moments, I remember the first time going to Haiti as I think about the world and I think this is what I should do to help them. I mean, we were going with a mission to share the gospel and obviously that's the good news. But as my first time as a rookie missionary, I remember gathering up a box full of Hot Wheels cars and just a bunch of little fun things and there's nothing wrong with that. But as soon as I distributed those things, I I realized I had caused complete chaos, complete arguing, complete fighting. And I realized the Lord was like, they were were fine before you gave them those things. They were happy. They had the joy of the Lord. And I brought these material things. And and in my life, I have to battle fighting these material things. And they seem so right. But they're alluring me into the world. So how do we walk as Christians in this world? How are we sent out as he, he's talking about that here? And he says in verse 18, as you have been sent into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. We need to be sanctified in God's word. We need to be speaking that truth into one another over the, in community groups and in our families. I need to be speaking the gospel inside of my own life to remind myself that I am not of this world, that I've overcome the world through Christ Jesus as we talked about. Jesus simply prays, as you have sent me into the world, I send them into the world. You've been commissioned. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Purified. The only way to be purified was by the death of Jesus. It was the only way. I mean, we, we were on the, the eve of all the years of history in this very moment of this passage that, that the priest had gone in and did the sacrifice and brought the lamb and they did the rituals. And in this very moment, this is all about to come to an end. The veil is about to be torn from the top down. The world is about to be flipped upside down because of Christ and the cross and the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, we are sanctified in the truth by Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 20, he says, I do not ask that, ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be of one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So why is he asking? The, why, the answer is so that the world would know. So here we are in the world. God sends us out in the world, but we're not of the world. We're a peculiar people. We're set apart. And God prays that we would have unity, that the world would know that we're a different breed of people. We're a holy nation, a people set apart. that we would believe through their word. So the disciples, the birth of the church by the Spirit of God was about to unfold in the coming days. And Jesus prays for the disciples and he prays for us that God would be known through our word. So as we approach this Easter week, just something practical to do, and and whether you invite somebody to church or your small group or just be a people of God, knowing the resurrection of Jesus, knowing this Easter season, capturing moments to to steer the conversation back to Jesus. We have overcome, Revelation says, by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the saints. And in that discipleship process, we continue to proclaim the goodness of Jesus. We continue to proclaim the cross. And God's name is known and this word is spread. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me, that we may become perfectly one. Jesus prayed that we would become perfect only one, and that we would be loved even as Christ loved his very own son, that we could love others. And I feel like it's kind of redundant just to keep repeating these things, but it, it's really just amazing that because of Jesus, we have the opportunity to be unified in him, to love others verse 24 Father I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundations of the world that God knew before anything ever existed I think one of the reasons we can look at this chapter and and it's about the turning of the event from Genesis on up to here that this whole thing is about to be fulfilled in in, in moments literally moments in the grand scheme of things. That Jesus is crying out to his Father that we would love one another, that we would be protected, that we would give him glory, that his name would be spread. That we could be unified as a church, unified as a community, Unified as a city, I know as a dad, the thing that breaks most dads' heart is I have six kids and well, they don't get along. And they don't get along for silly reasons. The bickering begins of this and that and this isn't fair and that's injustice and it's usually about justice. In my house at least, the scales of somebody got one more minute of something than I did. All the ice cream is gone, the lucky charms are empty. I could go down a whole list this week. Um, But it it breaks my heart. And because I'm human, I get frustrated and I react in anger quite often and yell and then I have to repent and I come to the scriptures and I preach the gospel to myself and I go and apologize to my kids and we start all over again an hour later. But it breaks my heart and I just think as a a church that the Father's love for us There's a reason that he's praying for our unity. Again, because at the heart of our sinful nature is pride, whether we want to admit it or not, which would be prideful, but is pride that we have it all figured out, that we have the right way, that this method or that method is better. But Jesus, his heart has to hurt when the church is dysfunctioning and there's gossip and there's slander and there's, There's disunity. Because the enemy knows that if we are unified, there's great power. Because in those moments when we are different and we are set apart, when the world is falling apart, whether it's chaos or natural disasters, but the church becomes the unified strength, we do stand out and we shine for Jesus. And that starts inwardly with us. So in this prayer, I I hope in the coming days and years of my life that I can be of one accord with the church, the greater church. It says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And in that, just that we can be with God. So Jesus is in this moment. I'm going to keep saying it. He's about to face the cross. He's praying for our protection. He's praying for our unity. He's praying for his glory to be known. And then he adds this to the Father, that they may be with me and see my glory forever. This eternal prayer. This very prayer that was spoken then still rings to today. That we can be with Jesus Christ and see His magnificent glory, and be with the Father, be with Jesus forever and ever. O oh, righteous father verse twenty five even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me, and I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus commissions us to be sent out. I like to say to make his name famous. He doesn't need you or I to to do that. God is glorious enough to Speak through the supernatural miracles, through dreams, through visions. He's big enough to capture people's hearts and the darkest of prisons and the darkest of sins. He's there. But yet, in some mysterious way, he saw it fit to use you and I as part of that story, as part of that plan. So much so that that was his last thing he said in his prayer before he steps out into this trial of terror, before he becomes the man of constant sorrows and bears the sins of the entire world. He says that, "O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these, us, the disciples, know that you have sent me. And I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. He will continue to make it known that the love that which he has loved me may be in them and I in them. We are that vessel that makes him known. And if Jesus prayed for us, how much more should I pray this prayer in my life that I could make Jesus' name known? That I could walk this week in unity? Father, that you could protect me from the evil one. Protect me from my sinful desires, my, my lust, my pride, my anger. Because it's more than me that's at stake. And I think that's where we get that little sin twisted, that little lie that's in our head that it's all about you. It's, uh, it's just you. It's just you. Just do it. And the reality is there's this greater eternal thing going on, this greater purpose in our lives, that we have the opportunity and the chance and the privilege Make the name of Jesus known. To pray for people, to pray for your neighbors, to pray for opportunities, to pray for cities and for nations, for the state to be changed, that God's name would be famous, that Easter would no longer just be a day for 75% of Corvallis, a holiday that it would be a reminder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I just pray that we're a people that would be about our Father's business this week. And that we would marinate in this scripture and rest in what had happened. Think about Good Friday when it's Good Friday. Think about why we have Good Friday. Because I just know that was a story in my life for so long. That I remember, I don't believe I said this at the beginning, but I remember being in Sunday school in like 1984, 85, seventh, eight years old. And I remember the teacher talking about Easter and Palm Sunday and simply saying, they were telling this story, they were reading the scriptures, and I was just like, do we have to do this story again? Like, we've all heard this story. Like, I was really. sarcastic, and I got kicked out of the class, which I don't recommend doing that, but that became the reality of my life for the next two decades, and so I don't know where you're at today, and as we just read these scriptures, and there's so much there, like literally we could pick something and stay there for weeks, but I just kind of wanted to give us this big, broad thing of God praying for you. God knowing you right before his crucifixion. God asking for your protection, that we would be unified, that we would make his name known just before his murder. So that's my prayer today, that this scripture would become highlighted and wondrous in our lives, like a sunset that we feel that we don't just take a snapshot of and move on with our lives, that we would just read these scriptures and read the crucifixion this week and be reminded of the great thing that Jesus did for you and I. So I'm going to pray for us. Father, um, God, we need your spirit this week to combat the things of the world that will enter our lives this afternoon and tomorrow. God, the evil one that is going around prowling like a lion, seeking who he can devour. God, we need your protection for our hearts and our minds. And God, let us be ever so mindful by the power of your spirit and your might, Lord, of of what happened in history this day, this week. But not in defeat, Father, but in the fullness of your joy that you have overcome death and the grave. That because the perfect lamb was sacrificed and the, the veil was torn, God, we can come before you Night and day, petitioning you for for things of our lives, Lord, for forgiveness of our sins. Because of your shed blood, you made a way that we could be with you and see your glory for eternity. God, in this prayer, (laughs) it was answered. Father, just help us to be sent out into the world, but not of the world. Help us to be a holy nation. People about your business. Kingdom-minded. Church-minded. Gospel-centered. Sharing the good news of you. Father, would you do that work in our heart today and in this week? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.